it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. This is Beer is a Conversation and we're here to talk about beer. Today it's a bit of a Brits Abroad podcast because uh, I've got with me Steve Russell, founder of WA's Blaster Brewing Co. Blaster, which is located on land of the traditional owners, the Woodchuck people, was founded in 2018 uh, by Scottish import Steve, who won a number of uh, awards uh, at amateur sort of home brewing level, uh, including with BrewDog. Uh, since then, though, Blaster has gone from strength to strength, winning awards for their beers, including Australia's champion beer at the Indies last year, getting stuck in at the Western Australian Brewers Association, and last year winning a major grant as part of the federal government's Manufacturing Modernisation Fund. Blaster has also just taken on a new national sales manager, uh, Luke Piratina, so it's all go, go, go at Blaster. Uh, but Steve, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Claire. No worries at all. How you doing? It's been a bit busy this week, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's been. A, we've had a, a challenging week, to say the least. Um, yeah, we're, you were on well, packaging line when I spoke to you yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we were stuck on the packaging line. We um, we had some entries that we were sending down to the, the Australian International Beer Awards, which are coming up. Uh, the team were working very hard last week um, and the week before to get um, some of the beers ready and packaged up and things. And then we sent them on their merry way down, uh, down towards Melbourne, and they all got destroyed uh, during transit. God, I can feel like any listener who's a brewer just going, their heart just dropping into their shoes, like, no, I'd be so devastated. But you're all <laughs> sorted now. Yeah, yeah, we managed to um, basically find a carrier that could take um, some beers down for us, so... Um, disaster averted. So we just got to make sure that, you know, we, we follow up and make sure that they've successfully um, made their way to the showgrounds. Mm-hmm. But an expensive will do that from the sounds of it. That's the problem. Yeah, um, it's it's been a bit of an expense for us now. You know, we, we basically had to air freight some of the cartons over. But because um, there's like minimum quantities and uh, values, monetary values for the airlines, mm-hmm. it's it's been a costly exercise. But um you know, lesson learned from us, you know, um, maybe a few more fragile stickers and do not place anything on top. I can imagine you booking flights for the whole team and everyone takes a crate with them. <laughs> That's the <laughs> safest option, I think, going forward. Um, yeah. Maybe a little, probably about the same price as well. <laughs> yeah. but we'll see. Um, but I mean, that was sort of brings me very nicely into what I want to talk about first, which was um, being a brewer in Western Australia. So, um, I've spoken to Kyle uh, Pearson at Alice Springs, for instance. One of the biggest issues for them, uh, and I'm sure you feel the same way in certain respects, is distance. Now, obviously, you're not quite out in the desert like they are, but still getting things from east coast to west, west coast to east must be really tricky. How does that impact your business? Yeah, you know, like um, being based over in Perth, um, it does present its own logistical um, issues for us, you know. We do have um, some really good suppliers that are based over here, but you know, if we're looking for bulk um, imports of things like hops and, and and some of the other more niche things that we may like to have, um, they do have to come across from either you know Victoria or even New South Wales and Queensland. 
what we try to do is we we try and keep enough stock of the the items that we're gonna we're gonna need, you know, like for the foreseeable future. But that being said, you know, things change, and you know, um, we do often find ourselves a little bit under the pump trying to trying to get things over and expedite delivery times. Yeah, I can imagine that's the case. What else about being in WA that makes it a little bit different for a brewer? Some of the other challenges that present for us are um, being able to get equipment. Uh, there's there's often times even things like seals and you know all the things that you would need um, in a brewery. Um, it does does sometimes you know cause us a little bit of an issue. So um, that between the ingredients, um, materials, equipment, and probably the um, the most challenging one at this moment in time is actually personnel. I bet that's a real tricky one. How have you been finding it then over COVID? Has, has everyone just left? And is it hospitality? Is it brewing? Who are you looking for? Yeah, so like over in WA, you know, Mark McGowan, he's he's had a fair bit of a stick from the, the Australian public. But that being said, that's without the, what I would say is the majority of the people in WA. Um, during the time when COVID was, you know, rife round about Australia, you know, Mark McGowan basically kept us locked up um, in WA with the with the intent to not have any um, major outbreaks over here. Probably 20% of the public didn't agree with that, but 80% did. Um, but, you know, we've came out of it and it's been rel- relatively um, unscathed, to be honest, like compared with other parts of the world, which has worked well. Um, however, like the downside to that is a lot of the um, skilled people from WA have now moved out of WA. Um, so that presents challenges for us in recruitment, um, both in the brewing side and and the the hospitality side, and you know that that coupled with um, major skills shortages up north, where you've got like mining, oil and gas, um, we've we've lost um, a number of people that have moved up to like mine sites to either be chefs or work behind the bars, and we've even had brewers moving up there um, to go and work on the mine sites as plumbers and you know some other oh, skills. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. But do you think that's a short-term situation or are you preparing for it to be like a long-term, I'm going to have to attract people from the East Coast and abroad even? Yeah, well, look, the optimistic side of me um, really hopes it is a short-term thing. But, um, you know, there, there's a whole host of things I think that's happened since COVID. You know, like people people have realised that, you know, many disruptive things, that life-changing things can happen in your life. You know, there's people that haven't seen families whether it be within Australia or overseas, um, you, you know, now we have some other issues where um, you've got inflation and stuff like that and people want to buy houses. And I, I think it's a culmination of a number of different things. You know, people are just looking for the very best of what they can get. And, you know, like when, when you're a small brewery or even a medium or large size brewery, it's going to be difficult to attract um, certain types of talent when, you know, they, they can go and work, fly and fly out two weeks on, two weeks off and make mm-hmm. uh, significantly more money. Um, that, that, that side, you do have the other side of the coin where people have the opportunity to work in a brewery, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I reckon that is a huge uh, green flag uh, when you're deciding on whether, whether you work with a bunch of um, smelly miners for two weeks or hang out in a brewery. I know what I choose. Um, but I'm not the same as everyone, so that makes sense. Um, now, we've sort of touched on quite a few issues that can affect um, brewers specifically in WA, but obviously that 
sort of stretch out across the country as well. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but we did um, a States of Brewing report a couple of weeks ago, and we were looking at, you know, the sort of environment for breweries in each state and Mm -hmm. whether the state government in particular supported them through funding and export and tourism initiatives, whether they just generally... um, mentioned them and talked about them and and brought them up uh, in conversations and just covered all sorts of stuff, planning, development, everything. WA came out quite well, actually, considering a lot of the states over here, um, New South Wales, for instance, has invested a fair amount in the brewing industry specifically, but WA Uh seemed to be a bit of a sleeper hit and um, particularly particularly absolutely blowing everyone else out the water in terms of um, state government funding. So I think it was like 3.18 million last year just towards breweries alone. Is that fair do you think we were fair about how we treat wa do you think wa government um is supportive of breweries yeah well i mean generally i think yeah the government is um pretty well supportive of um any any kind of manufacturing industry to be honest um in terms of like state funding like for us in particular i may not know um all of the different types of funding that have been out there but um i think a lot of it maybe goes towards the more regional sides there has been some mm-hmm. other like initiatives where, for example, Blast has been assisted in some stro- uh, growth strategy and things like that. But I haven't really seen, I'm not really aware of any um, any other sort of major funding for any of the sort of metro type um, outlets. Yeah, it definitely seems to be the regional. Um, is it Lana McTinn? And she seems to be very keen on it. And I think she's a re- minister for regions or something like that. And they just seem to be such a hit for them. But always talked about in like the government media releases and things like that. So, I mean, at least to get a little bit more recognition than perhaps in like NT and um, Tasmania as well. Um, so I guess kudos to them. But I wonder why it's just regional breweries. Why do you think that is? I think it could maybe possibly um, to do with the tourism aspect, you know, um, and there's a lot uh, of the areas. Okay. Yeah, a lot of the regional areas of WA. Um, despite us being sort of pretty much in a lockdown in a state within a country locked in, um, you know, not everybody's been travelling around. Um, and I think it's had a fair impact on some of the regional areas. So I, the government are probably just looking to do what they can to support them. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you generally do during COVID? Because like you say, nobody could come in, but everybody in WA seemed to be going out. So pretty steady away, was it? It was a little bit of a strange one, to be honest, Claire, where um, we were pretty much, we were running at like half capacity. Sometimes like when there'd been like a minor outbreak, we may have been reduced down to 50 people, you know, like some of the restrictions that's happened all around Australia. But on the whole, you know, like we pretty much went about our business um, without too many restrictions compared with some of the more stringent and, um, you know, the the restrictions you've had in other places, New South Wales and Victoria, where it's been really um, challenging for businesses and business owners and things. Um, yeah, with with us, because like uh, we didn't have like major events um, and also probably coupled with the fact that even just having one or two people having COVID, that was almost, that was enough to, you know, to scare the general public. So we would find that even though we didn't have major restrictions, we would see like major downturns in a patronage of people coming out. Um, but mm-hmm. on the other side of that is we've seen our... Um, you know, uh, wholesale sales, they went up quite dramatically. So I'm guessing that people were just, you know, spending their time and at home enjoying a beer, you know, with their immediate family. Yeah. 
Definitely. And on the wholesale front, um, you guys were wholesaling before anyway, so you kind of had the those mechanisms set up, didn't you? So it wasn't a huge move or pivot, as we like to say, during COVID. Um, <laughs> everything was already set up, wasn't it? Yeah, so like at that point, um, we, I think going back, so it was, we, we had five product lines that were actually um, packaged at that point in time. So it wasn't wasn't too many. Um, but, you know, we sort of mitigated that. Like, we'd already done a lot of our designs for packaging and stuff. And we just sort of, um, you know, just went for it. You know, we thought to ourselves, you know, we want to be packaging all these beers anyway. Um, and we just pushed through all of our designs and, you know, got our, got our beers ready. And then it was almost, um, it transitioned us from, more of the the brew pub type scenario with um, relatively small wholesale, i.e. packaged cans um, in volume to predominantly packaged cans. So um, it kind of set us up, you know, like for where we're going to be going anyway. Absolutely. Just a slight acceleration of existing plans. Um, I like that. Um, And have you seen um, those wholesale levels sort of stay the same-ish? I imagine they haven't gone astronomically up now that everyone's gone back to venues, but is it still pretty strong on the wholesale front? Yeah. Um, so like when, when we've got our keg sales and things like that's been pretty steady. Um, we have had sometimes, you know, after the peak of Christmas, um, the WA government, they, they announced that they were going to be opening the border. I think it was towards the end of February this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And when, when it came closer to that point, they decided that it was going to be too risky. There'd be too many cases and um, the fallout of covid issues and stuff was making it too risky to open up um yeah. and again what happened there was like we seen a, a really dramatic downturn in the amount of people that would go out so from from operating at maybe 50 percent capacity i.e um number of people through the door it overnight dropped down to like 10 15 percent that lasted probably it was a good um six weeks and you know and we really didn't know what was going on you know it was a bit you're in limbo because um, your business is still operating, but it's, it's almost like death by a thousand cuts because um, you've got a business that's operating, it's on restricted numbers, but then at this point in time, like, people were too scared to come out. And you're getting no support as well. There's no government support after that point, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that's, and yeah, that, that's what made it even more um, difficult, you know, because like if you're operating a brewery and, you know, you've got like a, a semi-large scale um, venue, you know, front of house operations and things, you know, you still have to keep the place operational. You still have to service the customers you have. You know, and and with that comes a, a baseline cost. You need a you need a minimum amount of um, you know you've got a break even point. And you know, as you as you're in between a small to um, medium size front of house hospitality venue, you know it's the the costs are quite uh, significant. It can be a really tricky one, I imagine. And but like we say especially on the wholesale front, set you up very nicely. And that's what I want to talk to you about as well, because um, I've no- been noticing a few um, of the Blaster crew knocking around. I was at Eaton Hill <laughs> um, Beer Fest the other week and ran into some of your lot. Yeah. Uh, what, what's going on? Is it worldwide domination going for you as well? <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, um, I mean, And obviously you brought Luke in, so... Yeah, I mean, like, um, things things are starting to look more positive for us now. Like, you know, for, for everybody, every every brewery, every hospitality venue, you know, hopefully we're seeing the worst um, of COVID over and, you know, people can get back to their normal lives. And, you know, we've, we've had plans in the making for at least 
probably two years when we first started thinking about how how we were going to be dealing with growth and you know providing we're making great products we're going to have to try and get um basically make more beer you know and get out into people's hands so it's now at the point for us we've got a we're building up our team and it's you know it's a really positive um place we're in just now so we, we have a um craig who's our uh, we've got a sales rep over in queensland and um, so he's doing some great representation of us over there and you know we'll, we'll love it over in queensland we we'll see similarities um over there uh, between queensland and brisbane and um, with perth you know and it's um, it's great to have some good representation over there um and then following that um a couple of months ago we've recruited a new national sales director so we brought on uh, luke luke's been with us for um, only a short time but we're starting to make some significant inroads into mapping out how we're going to grow as a business you know and grow in the right way um and you know make great products for everyone yeah and i mean it must be tricky being a wa brand especially if you're you've got your eye on the prize of the east coast um there's obviously the challenges of distance we've discussed um but what other challenges are there obviously on the east coast we're not saturated but we're busy we're busy with breweries um how how you uh how you dealing with that yeah i mean to be honest like when when i was um putting together the final or the interim plans and then looking for a final destination of where our brewery, brewery would be we did um we had some thoughts and you know a fair bit of thought went into possibly having a brewery over the east coast mm-hmm. um there's a it's a long distance you know to to travel um between wa and getting to victoria and you know all of the other states really um yeah where the majority of the the craft beer drinkers are or beer drinkers in general um but you know we decided to stay stay in our home state and you know there's there's i think there's other ways and means that we can still get our product um over to to the eastern states in the exact condition that we want it to be in uh, when it leaves the brewery and then you know there's other ways where we can sort of absorb the costs and things like that associated with that as well so yeah we're really looking forward to um, setting up our you know distribution and and uh, you know getting beer in the hands of people all around the east coast amazing and would never consider perhaps a little boots on the ground bricks and mortar situation there steve I would never feel that. fingers crossed in my beautiful hometown of Brisbane. Yeah, we um, we do. Um, we we have looked into things like this um, pretty recently. Um, and, you know, like, you never know what the future holds. You know, like, if um, if people are enjoying our beers and, you know, the, the sort of the market is right, you know, and people still enjoy having a, a nice cold IPA or a hazy mm-hmm. or a, a Hefeweizen, you know, a um, you, you mean? Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> know, you know, you might see us over uh, in the East Coast. We we would love to um, have you know have a have a place over there, have a, a second home over in the East mm-hmm. Coast as well. So, yeah, um, providing things go well for us, you know, it's it's definitely in the pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can let me know when that's happening uh, and I'll go live there. Uh, so <laughs> thanks so much, Steve. Um, and I mean, the other thing as well, you have to balance the cost, I imagine. So, I mean, I was talking to Hamish Coates at Rocky Ridge the other week and we were talking about how expensive it is to send beer anywhere from yeah. WA. He, he was saying that it's probably about the same to send it to Asia as it is 
in terms of sending it to uh, the East Coast. And that was in more about sustainability rather than um, actual cost. Yeah. Um, but is, is the return on investment worth it, do you think, then, if you can grow bigger over on the East Coast? The, the words that Hamish says is very, very true. You know, there, there is a significant cost burden for us. Um, to send the products, you know, over in the East Coast, you know. But I, I kind of take a different view of that. You know, the the main intention for us is to be able to get our products over. And with that, you know, like mm-hmm. if people really do enjoy our products, it's almost, um, you know, we're, we're almost testing the market. You know, and if there is a market there for us and, you know, there's a spot in there, even though you've got many, many breweries over there, that could be the prerequisite and the, the driver for us. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal having these types of costs, but sometimes yeah. as a business you make a, a strategic decision um, to absorb it when you have some other mm-hmm. plans. You know, you got to spend money to make money, Steve. So I've heard. Oh yeah, it's never yeah. worked for me, but <laughs> apparently it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing that you've been investing in over the past year or so is new brewery um and also investing your time into um applying for that big mmf grant so that was well over well quite a bit a little bit over uh 900k um which Mm -hmm. was awesome that's the manufacturing modernization fund grant that was it wasn't it yeah that's the one how did that even come about um where did you see it why did you think your project would sort of fit in with what they wanted for that yeah so actually um I found that through a, a publication that was sent via an email. I think it may have actually been straight from um, Oz Industry uh, that I'd sub- mm-hmm. subscribed oh, to. Really? So, so basically, having having read, I, I wasn't familiar with the the MMF one. So the one that I applied for was um, it was the second round of this uh, manufacturing modernization. Um, when when I actually came across the email, I started to read it, and you know, I, I seen that there was there was a number of sectors in there where the Australian government are looking to upskill the Australian workforce. You know, you want to bring manufacturing back to Australia or keep manufacturing in Australia. Um, but probably the one that sort of caught my eye the most was um, the intention of the upskilling part, but also bringing in new technology and making yourself competitive, not only in the your own national environment, but also if you, you know, if you ever want to branch out and go overseas and compete with, um, you know, some other. Um, entities that, that may already have more advanced equipment um, mm-hmm. and you know different things like that so when 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 I did see it I spent a fair bit of time researching and um, it became apparent that you know believe it or not a brewery was eligible for, uh, that. <laughs> that's a shocker it's a shocker in itself <laughs> yeah so the food and beverage was in there and you know I'd, I thought you know I'll give it a go you know like where we've got a pretty exciting project we've been working on anyway. Um, going to be building a new brewery, and um, part of my um, my job. So I basically, I, prior to leaving and working in the brewery full time, I worked for an oil and gas company, and they they were going through what they called their digital transformation, and it sort of uh, it opened you know a lot of different learnings for me personally. You know, seeing the way that industry is going and especially in things like oil and gas, you know, spending money and, you know, developing things doesn't, it's not really um, something that they worry too much about when it comes down to cost. But the, the main thing I gained from that, I got to see, you know, this is where the future is going. Um, some of the things like sensors and the data mining and algorithms, you know, all these, all these like really advanced things that may be out of the reach of businesses such as breweries and 
food and beverage on a smaller scale now. But, you know, what always happens with technology, once it becomes well implemented and established, the costs come down significantly. So um, there'll be other like manufacturers that will bring out lower cost options. And, and that's what I started looking into. So because of um, the number of things that we had chosen to do with the brewery, it completely aligned with the manufacturing initiative, um, specifically in terms of uh, the things like upskilling employees and using new technology and uh, process development. Yeah. Oh, that's, and it sounds like such an exciting project. So, I mean, what's the vision for the new brewery and, and where are you in that sort of development process? Yeah, so we had a little bit of a delay, Claire. So we got the we got the government grant. It would have been back in, I think it was awarded in June. It was June last year. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we, we, had a, we had a site that had been pretty much locked in. We're in the final stages of completing the, the legal paperwork and stuff. And then it came... Um, we came across some issues. There were some fire suppression issues and things, and we, it kind of made us. We had to look back um, to to other sites that we had been identifying prior to that. It just became a bit mm-hmm. too cost prohibitive for us, yeah, provide, yeah. Uh, given that we weren't going to be owning the building. So that delayed us a little bit of time until we f- uh, we found our new site and um, delayed us probably three or four months. You know, there, there's there's some phase gates that we weren't willing to go through until obviously we had the home uh, locked in yeah. and then uh, now it's full steam ahead so we're currently scheduled to make our first brew in september this year um it's a manufacturing site it's a it's a new build so it's it's got plenty of space for all of our big uh, shiny tanks that are on their way over um but a really exciting part of it is it's it's got two levels. So it's got like an office block on the, the ground floor. And then above that, we're going to have um, a tap room. So in the tap room, um, the way we've designed the layout of the brew house, it'll all be glass. And uh, the customers, that, our customers that come in um, or people from interstate and things like that, come in, enjoy a beer, and you can look right out over the brew house, but then also out over the packaging line. So it'll be a little bit interactive where you can see what's going on within the brewery itself. Um, and then we're, we'll have um, brewery tours. We're going to have a, a merch shop and a, a tap room. So beers, takeaway beers. Um, it's literally a few minutes away from the airport. Um, so it's going to allow people from Perth to come out and you know see see the brewery in, in all its glory. But then um, perhaps people who are coming off the plane or going back on the plane to go interstate or overseas, they can. Come along, join us, and have a beer as well. Fantastic! How exciting! And is are all the systems that you wanted in yet, or is that going to be sort of a uh, an ongoing project to update and retrofit and bring new things in? What? How are you going to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, again, COVID. That you know that. that, mm-hmm. that <laughs> yes, COVID yes, has sadly. caused us a whole heap of issues, and you know, any anyone in manufacturing has experienced significant delays. There's a there's a global electronic uh, shortage of components and stuff right now where mm-hmm. if you're using things like Siemens controllers or Rockwell or any of the Allen Bradley, some of the some of these components have got like a nine-month lead time. So so we've had oh to, God, um, yeah, so we've had to find some some workarounds, but it's, it's not going to, it will have no impact on the, the overall completion. You know, again, we're going to have to go down the, the lines of air freight <laughs> no, Paul <laughs> Blaster and every. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it's presented some challenges. But you know, like um, the brewery itself, um, we just can't wait to get it, get it installed and you know and start using it because um, it's a it's a 
it's going to be like a really advanced brew house for mm-hmm. uh, for us. But you know, it's um, speaking to the guys at Crohn's and Steinecker who are supplying it. We're going to have the, the most advanced uh, brewery um, in Australia, definitely from nice. definitely one supplied by them. So it's got all the it's got all the latest um, technology in it, and we've spent a lot of time working closely with them. Where um, we've got some other extra. Um, controls and you know systems as well that are going to integrate with it. Well. Yeah, interesting. Okay, come on then. Um, you've piqued my interest now. I know there'll be loads of different components and loads of different parts to it. Is there anything mm-hmm. you want to sort of highlight particularly? I know there was one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, but I'm keen to hear what your favourite bit of this new brewery is. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's uh, it's so it's what they call a fully automatic brew house. But you know, I, mm-hmm. I've always been very mindful. Um, the, the craft industry, you know, I, I try and get away from using the word craft because I, I really genuinely, I don't see it as being craft. It's just, it's just different yeah, and different in the sense that it's just well-made beer. Um, it's made with a lot of love and, you know, it's, it is generally made on smaller scale, but it, it still holds on to that sort of artisan approach where um, you don't use like full automation. So it, it allows the brewers and um, the team to sort of be really closely um, working with the products that they're making. And I think just having that sort of human interaction um, al- allows you to, to make the beers that, you know, they, that are almost not too um, clinical, if you like. Um, I often mm-hmm. uh, use the term, like, I, I like to have a beer that's maybe just a little bit rough around the edges, you know, um, as opposed to something, you know, that's highly filtered and, you know, as clean as a whistle and stuff like that. Because um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah. A lot of the beer drinkers, you know, they're used to drinking beers that are made in small breweries, and and almost some of the things that um, a large manufacturing brewery may see as a flaw, um, you know, some some of the smaller breweries actually like to have that as in small amounts as like key key parts of their products. Um, so what yeah. we've done is having having a fully automatic brewery, we're putting some extra points along the production process where. Um, we manually sort of intervene. So it, it's going to allow us to still be really um, in tune with what's going on within the within the brew house. And mm-hmm. there are other things that we're looking to implement as well. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the IoT. It's like the Internet of Things. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to talk to you about this. I'm so excited. Yeah. You've got like the Internet of Things is basically in, in a high level. It's like you you can basically place sensors on any type of equipment, wherever wherever you want to gather a data source, whether it be temperature, it could be um, cleanliness, it could be pressure, it, it, a whole host, of, pretty much anything you can think of, you could you could yeah. basically that you can monitor and get data on, yeah, yeah, and that, you know, like data, um, you know, data is power, you know, info is power for you. It allows you to make well-informed decisions. And we are currently working with um, a couple of different um, vendors on how we're going to integrate this within our system. So it's not just going to be within the brew house. It's also like the, the customer feedback loop as well. So um, yeah, that'll be really interesting. Yeah, because you'll basically be the guinea pig for lots of this. And then, like we say, you know, maybe as the systems become more available in Australia and these companies, they understand the needs of a brewery that hopefully that will become more within reach of other breweries as well, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the technology is, it's just, it's, it's going at such a fast rate, you know, like 
the possibilities are almost endless. You know, you can have um, providing you're capturing data. You can, you know, things like machine learning. So it's almost brew house learning. You know, you you can have a, a production process in place, and you know, you do a little bit of manual intervention, and you're you're almost guiding your um, your uh, your systems and your software on how something has to be made or the the preference of making something and you know over time with all this different data and things like that and setting up the right sort of environment for it you can have things like machine learning and all that and it sounds very futuristic but you know it's it's already in many many different um industries yeah and that's the thing isn't it it's proven in lots of other industries we just haven't necessarily applied it to brewing just yet yeah exciting times it is. It's crazy. Um, but does bring its challenges. Now, not only do we have skill shortages uh, from being in the brewing industry, from being Western Australian, uh, but also because you need some very specific skill sets now, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we've identified a couple of government-led TAFE training courses, if you like. Um, that's It's more to do with we're, we're going to be building up our team where the, the brew team will get training, you know, on, on the kit, hands-on training. But there's also going to be some, like, technological training as well um, and also, like, um, process plant technology. And, you know, I'm familiar with those types of uh, training courses. They were generally um, sort of aligned towards, like, again, like oil and gas and things like that. But, you know, the equipment the breweries are using now, even breweries, you know, the size of ours, you're literally using equipment that would get used in different um you know, high tech industries. So, so with that, there's a. It's almost a. It's a. Um, it's a full mindset change. You know, and and how we operate. It's a. It's a real shift. You know, like uh, there's a lot of manual processes in the brewery, and, and when you when you go down the path of using automation and you know all of this sort of high tech electronics, and you know, you're gonna you're gonna need um, a team that that not only know how to operate it, but also um, how to work on it as well. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, the the chances of being able to find someone who's all like an expert in brewing and also IoT systems is going to be a tricky one. So I imagine there'll be a lot of upskilling in house there, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, all of, all of the guys that we've got here, um, they're all earmarked now to go to go on this training. So they'll we'll have like our um, you know a brewery like the like like the one that we're we're just about to commission. Um, it has a lot of smarts in it. And, it, and it's not just the brewery itself. You know, it's all of the other integrated pieces of equipment. So um, it's critical for us that you know we get the training for the guys as brewers. But you know, it's it's a whole shift for the entire. It's a whole shift in thinking and uh, skill set for the entire mm-hmm. team. So um, yeah, I, we're going to be progressing all of the team through um, the the more. The, the kind of courses that are more closely aligned with what we're doing, like the, the issue that we have found is there is no specific training courses that, that can cater for this. So the team are almost going to, they're going to get trained in other aspects that may not actually be um, focusing towards brewing, but it'll give like a, a wider sort of knowledge of that kind of industry and technology. So as part of this new brewery as well, there was talk of something that I've been really interested in the past couple of months, which is a CO2 recovery system. Is that something that you were planning on bringing in soon or, or is that like a longer term plan? Yes, yes. So like there's a couple of different ways you can do CO2 recovery. Like the, there's um, 
I say some of the bigger, like large scale breweries have got CO2 recovery systems. And it's, it's not something mm. that's new. It's just something that's been very cost prohibitive, you know, to have CO2 compressors and stuff like that is, yeah. it's a significant cost that many, many breweries, um, it's just too far out of their reach. And uh, we came across a company, um, they're based over in America, uh, in the US. And I think they, they adopted some of this technology from NASA, I believe. And, one of the companies managed to get the patent for it. And what they've done is, um, in a nutshell, they've made like a small CO2 recovery system. Mm. And what it allows you to do, you, you hook it up during primary fermentation, you know, and all your fer- fermenters, and you yeah. can recover the CO2 and you re-purify um, it. So you take out all the oils and, you know, mm. all the nasties or any of the other gases that are being produced out of the beer. And then you can convert it into practically pure um, CO2. I love that. It's really yeah. exciting. Yeah, I'm real, and I was really into this as well because I know I did an article a couple of years ago with um, another US company. I don't know if it's the same one, um, Earthly Labs, and they do CO2 recovery systems. So does Hypro over here. Um, mm-hmm. But like you say, they're like they're only just coming into the market now. We haven't really touched on them before. Previously, they've been prohibitively expensive. Sometimes people don't necessarily have the room, but now they mm-hmm. seem to be coming in nice little compact units that are much more uh, suitable to a smaller brewery. So I know that mm-hmm. people are definitely looking into it, but I think, and I think Blaster will be one of the first to have this kind of system um, when you guys get it in as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, like, the one of the bigger um, items that, you know, from my perspective, and like one of the goals I wanted to do was. Having having worked in the brewery myself, um, you know, it's it's I've not sort of been at arm's length. I've always been in there, and you see mm-hmm. you see the things at work. You also see the environmental challenges. You know, like if you're purging mm-hmm. tanks and you're using CO two for it, there's a there's a huge amount of waste. Um, and you know, and everybody's um, really conscious of the environment. Everybody um, generally cares. You know, it's not it's not just that you're, you're just like oh. I'm, blowing out some CO2, it doesn't matter. You know, like, we've all got a responsibility. And, you know, like, working in the brewery and seeing, like, the 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 wastage that you put to the environment, and CO2 is one of them, you know, but there's a, a whole host of things like plastics and um, one-use plastics and, that, mm-hmm. and all the vehicles and stuff like that. It was one of the items that was high on my agenda because the the other part of that is you're, you, the yeast is metabolising sugars, and it's, mm-hmm. you're converting um, sugar into alcohol and CO2 anyway. So it's it's all part of that sort of closed-loop system where, you know, instead of blowing it off, you can recover it and you purify it and put some really good, um, high-quality CO2 back into your beer as well. Absolutely. And I think that's always the thing that's like, when you think about it, boggles your mind. The amount of CO2 emitted during the fermentation process that just drifts off. Yeah, we, and then we buy it in, and we're like, "No, why are we doing this? We we make our own." Um, so it's just being able to enhance that and um, lasso it, and basically bring it back around. Um, and I'm I'm seeing that in so many different areas as well. So, um, what other so have you looked into? Any of the sustainability things you wanted to do with the new brewery? I feel like this is such an exciting time when you've got sort of almost not a blank slate, but you could just do whatever you wanted with it. Mm-hmm. So, what what else are you doing on the sustainability front? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of the more conventional things that we're doing. Like we're putting in um, it's a 120 kilowatt um, solar system 
which is like I love that that's conventional it's a, now. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable size, and then um, you know we're we're going to be uh, we'll have our own water well, so we'll be able to oh, produce get our own water, and then yeah. um, on the downstream side of it, you know, water recovery. So we're going to be oh, brilliant, yeah, doing it through treatment, and we'll reuse as much water as we can and get down the significantly reduced amount of water that we use um, per litre of beer. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're literally looking at everything holistically for um, the yeah. operations going forward. So we're going to look at ourselves, you know, with um, electric vehicles, um, both within the brewery, but also delivery vehicles and um, a whole host of things, cogeneration boiler, um, which basically means that um, we can generate electricity from the boiler pro boiling process as well. Um, mm -hmm. along with heat and um, we've got many heat recovery systems so again heat heat recovery used to be something that was it was almost out with the the scope of smaller breweries and you know the, there's costs associated with it but again as technology has changed it almost becomes um something that you can you can easily sort of reach towards it if, if you want to so we we even have um waste heat recovery from our air the air compressors and that we're going to have um, wow. waste, waste heat recovery from the brewing process, which is, uh, we do that right now to a certain degree, but when you incorporate um, energy storage units and things like that, you're drastically reducing um, the amount of power and that you use within your brewery. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, we, we, there's a whole number of initiatives. So as part of that, we've been looking at all of the our footprint within our new operations. Um, and that also includes how we've laid out the brewery. So complete minimization of movements so so with that like the the way that we've designed how the brewery is going to work and um, whether it be human movement or vehicle movement there's going to be um we've optimized it to a point where you you really reduce that so it's it's efficient but it's also all of that contributes to a lower um environmental impact you know because everything you do can have an impact and then on a more broader scale we've started looking at um, the suppliers and things like that that we work with. So that there's going to be a bit of focus on there as well because it's not just um, from a, a sustainability and environmental standpoint, it's not just our operations, but it's also the demands that we put on to other like suppliers mm -hmm. and things like that as well. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're looking forward to the future. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really interesting that you mentioned the supplier front as well, because I think we do look with, you know, like people doing uh, carbon neutral beers and stuff. It's absolutely uh -huh. fantastic, but it's only like a small section of what they do that they've made carbon neutral or whatever the case is. And sometimes people aren't necessarily as holistic looking all the way upstream, all the way downstream. Um and it can be really difficult to do that, especially when you've got an eye on your suppliers as well. As a brewery, you have probably thousands of suppliers over the lifetime of your brewery. And, you know, how do you keep a control on all of that? Like, have, are you going to have criteria for what you'd want in them or that they recycle? Or, I mean, is, is there going to be sort of a playbook for that? Yeah, it's, it's something where we haven't, we haven't came to a final sort of product for our mm. product. We haven't came to a final sort of, requirement set if you like but it's something we're working on just now because we, we'd also went through the um the certified b corp which we're, we're currently in the middle of the middle of as well um, oh fantastic cool yeah and uh yeah we're we're, we're basically it, it's going to be more so um towards like a preferred suppliers mm -hmm. 
again, it's not new. Like I actually, I got the. It was from it was from a brewery in America. I seen it was one part of one of their sustainability drives, and it. it, it so basically, it, it was an initiative that they drove, and then they started to have these conversations with suppliers to see mm-hmm. where where they stood with it. So what we're doing is we're we're going to be um, looking to work with suppliers. You know, they share the same vision um, mm-hmm. as us. You know, and that's reducing your environmental footprint and. You know, there, it's going to be a challenge for us, um, Claire, because, you know, there's there's quite a lot of products that we currently use that come from, for example, Europe. You know, we use a bit of grain. You know, if we're making like a German beer and we want it authentic, we're using German malt. But um, that also brings a fair environmental uh, disadvantage, you know, in terms of uh, what we're doing to the environment. So, yeah, there'll be a whole host of things. You know, as a small brewery, you know, we're bringing in grain bags at 25 kilos and, you know, you have all these plastics and you've got the bags and stuff like that. And then when you move away from that and the grain silos, you know, you're reducing that demand on the on the world's resources. Absolutely. How are you finding the B Corp process so far then? It seems really involved. Yeah, it took us quite a long time. It took, we've probably been working on it for four months altogether, like on and off. You know, there's, there's a lot of yeah. information that you go through and, and, you know, finding the time to, to go through, it, I felt it was important for us and it allows us to benchmark, you know, where we're at. And, there, you know, we're always looking to continually improve. Um, and I think at the stage that we're at now, we're just waiting on uh, being assessed. So we've been in a queue for, uh-huh. I think, about two months now. And we're, yeah. we're now moving to the next stage. But I think there's a little bit of time to go yet. Yeah, apparently there's really long lead times for like the actual application and review process at the minute, um, just with COVID mm-hmm. and everything. Again, what a surprise. Um, yeah. But yeah, that'll be a really interesting one. Because um, we've obviously, at the, at the minute, um, I just wrote an article a few weeks ago about it. Apart from uh, Stonewood, um, uh-huh. And the other one that I can't remember right now, Four Pines. The only other in Australia and New Zealand that's officially B Corp certified now is Sawmill Brewery over in New Zealand. So you might actually be one of the only um, independent B Corps uh, in Australia when you do it, which is really cool. Oh, okay. Put that on your marketing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, cool. Um, but, you know, what strikes me when we were talking through all of this and all the things you want to do and all the really brilliant and exciting projects um, towards sustainability, like this is hella expensive. Like this is going to cost a lot. Obviously, you've got your funding, which is fantastic, but it's a huge expense. I mean, at the bottom, we all know we want to help the environment and things like that. Do customers care about this? Do your employees care about this? Why do you want to do it? Yeah, I, I firmly believe they do. You know, like everybody's, I, th- I think with education and, you know, media and, and things like that as well, people are just way more in tune with what's going on in the world. And, you know, I think they understand that the world is quite fragile and, and whether or not everyone agrees with things like global warming and stuff, um, the facts are we do see different um, things going on in the world. Some people um, are willing to align it to things like the environment and what we've done. Other people are a bit more sceptical. But I think the common thing that everybody knows is there is changes going on, you know, like where you have floods and fires and things like that. And um, it just make, I think it just makes people think about it a little bit more and you know for us like starting off as a very small business and then literally seeing it grow and flourish it's been great you know but like 
as we're building our business and you know we're going into the long term, we want to we want to do it in the what I would consider our call the right way, you know. And we, mm-hmm. I think that you can have a, a very successful business and and even and even take products across from one side of Australia to the other. But you know, you can do there is things that you can do. Um, it may cost a little bit um, towards the business, but I, I think that's a that's a fair enough trade off for you to have a business um, and be be part of a great business that's in the industry that we're in, you know, and and also do your little bit for the environment. I think it's um, it's a bit of a responsibility, and all of our staff um, feel the same way, you know. Like we we have discussions and about the the use of plastics and you know how much stuff we put in the landfill and stuff like that. I think it's it, it definitely from from our business anyway, it's, it's definitely in their mind. I mean, that's something that's come out in all my discussions with breweries is that sustainability in whatever way they can and whatever way they find important is something that's massively on their agenda. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it should be. Um, I, I feel that we have a responsibility, like you say, uh, but it can, but it can be a challenge. Like I'm sure you even know that, you know, you could have gone for the cheaper option, but you went for the expensive one. That's a cost to the business. Like you can't yeah. do something else. You can't do something because you've done that now. Um, I guess how do you balance that as as a business owner? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like the 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 realistic part, the the realism part is that. You know, we will do whatever we can within our means. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. You know, and uh, I think um, we we realise that we've accepted that. Um, but you know, we we, we made a, a business decision that we were going to try and do as much as possible within our means. Um, and we we'll have uh, we we'll have pushed out budgets a little bit to, to accommodate stuff. <laughs> That's all I wanted mm-hmm. to hear, Steve. I was yeah, like, this was expensive. <laughs> It has had an impact. I mean, but to be honest, like uh, as as I've fleshed out how I want the brewery to operate, there's been other significant costs that have came along the way as well. Um, and almost because it's it's a, it's a it's a large shift in our manufacturing capability. Or I made the decision that you know I wanted to do things in the right way, and and I want to build our business in what we consider the right way. And it's not just about it's not just about our business. It's not just about us um you know we, we do have um a responsibility as well so that that's kind of how i justified it um to myself and then also to the other other um business uh, other shareholders within our business <laughs> good idea i like that a lot <laughs> um now sustainability is obviously big, as we say a big deal for the industry but what do you think are going to be um some of the biggest issues and challenges for the industry in the coming years just generally rather than necessarily blaster focused i do feel things like um water usage will definitely be one of the things that um, I'll start to get more focus. Um, there are regular regulatory bodies over here. Um, there's a bit of a sustained focus on uh, our operations, pretty much all the breweries in WA, and just making sure that you know the, the things that go down the drain are not having like a, a real detrimental impact on the the whole sort of sewer ecosystem and things. Um, but yeah, I, I also think as well, um, ingredients are going to be a real challenge. You know, there's a lot of breweries that have came online, not not just in the US where, you know, they've grown significantly over the last few years in Europe, but um, in Australia, you know, like the, there's a, a whole host of breweries that are opening up and, you know, that, that puts 
pressures on supply chains and you know getting getting raw ingredients and materials and things like that as well Absolutely. And this is the thing, like pick an issue. We're going to have lots of these things coming through that we need to deal with. And if we can start to future proof our breweries now um, and look at these options and solutions, then we're just going to be a step ahead um, of where we need to be, which can only be good. I think I think I've talked to you off, off enough. But one thing I wanted to check up on: Do you remember? Well, you probably you know I know you remember um, all the keg thefts that were happening in WA last year. This is a total sidetrack, but I just popped into my head. What's gone on with all that? Yeah, it seems to um, sort of petered out, which is a good thing. Oh, thank God! Yeah, <laughs> I was so concerned at the time, and then and nobody mentioned it to me again. I was like, has this stopped? Or okay, good. That's all right. That's all I need to know. I was concerned. <laughs> I believe um I believe there was a couple of um arrests that were that were made for like some of the keg thefts that were going on and we weren't sure if it was part of uh, like almost a syndicate type thing. Um, but it seems to be an address and there was a bit of education from uh, the WABA over here, the West Australian Brewers yes. Association. Um and you know, we, we sort of got the word out there. You know, I think um just just being able to communicate to, to the wider public on the, the impact that it has or had um, must have made a difference. You know, people would see empty kegs outside mm-hmm. a, a bar, and they think, "Oh, look, that would make a great little um, fire." You know, yep. you can cut, cut it over, turn it into a side <laughs> table. It could be a barbecue. Yep. The, you know, the the options were limitless, and they think there's no mm-hmm. no victim, if you like. But um, <laughs> yes, I'm the victim. Beer. I don't get to drink any beer now. Yeah, yeah. The breweries <laughs> need these kegs. They need these kegs to fill them with beer, and then to supply them for the customers. I'm glad. Brilliant. Um, Did you ever think when you were in oil and gas or mining that you'd uh, end up talking about keg theft on a podcast in 2020? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, I remember the day we were were in the news. I think it was on on the the news uh, that night, you know. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of an (laughs) eye-opener. We we had many kegs stolen. We had a lot of kegs stolen. Yeah, I know. And this is why it was such a big, scary problem. Um, also a niche WA one, because I haven't heard that many been robbed everywhere else. I don't know whether you've got a particularly active keg crime syndicate over there, but uh, <laughs> thank God it's over with now. We're all yeah, good. Yeah, we, we, had, we almost need an articulated lorry to, to take the amount of kegs that came from us. But... ridiculous isn't it oh brilliant and on that note um i will let you go steve thank you so much for um coming on beer as a conversation with me today and good luck uh we've got the aibas coming up um and i will definitely see you there can't wait for the wa contingent to be over you're coming over aren't you steve yeah absolutely we'll be over um wonderful awesome okay cool uh well thank you again really appreciate it and and speak to you soon great thank you very much for having me claire 